Welcome to episode 166 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Hey, John. Hey, Dirk. So we have an exciting episode for you this week. We're going to be talking about uh, one of our favorite topics, cyber warfare, propaganda, and in this case, uh, this week, the release of the DNC's emails on WikiLeaks uh, by what some security experts have indicated to be Russian hackers. Of course, that's uh, as yet unsubstantiated, but uh, uh, there is uh, suspicion anyway that that the hackers who released this very sensitive information were of uh, Russian origin. So why is this uh, issue, uh, you know, coming to the fore now? Well, cyber warfare, generally speaking, has been uh, developing in some really significant ways over the past year. We've had elements like the Sony hack, the, uh, of course, the Snowden revelations about the NSA, and uh, also just uh, relatively recently, the Panama Papers, which highly embarrassed, um, you know, what we'd call sort of the 1%, uh, the, the uber wealthy who were, you know, sheltering their, their funds in, in overseas bank accounts. So being in power uh, isn't what it used to be, or, or it's not uh, as nice as it used to be when uh, hackers can sort of reveal all your, all your secrets uh, to the public and start to change or sway public opinion by revealing dirty secrets. Transparency is messy, John. Yes, and e even more so for the DNC, this is uh, an ill-timed, uh, hack, to say the least, because, you know, this is supposed to be the high watermark for the Clinton campaign, accepting the Democratic nomination this week. And of course, uh, they have to sort of deal with this treasure trove of embarrassing secrets, whether it's about the way the party uh, uh, finances itself, the way it uh, conducts its strategy, uh, especially around um, the campaign of Bernie Sanders uh, versus Clinton. Uh, the supposed um, uh, neutrality of the DNC was revealed to be completely false, and they were very much backing Clinton throughout. Um, so, so this is a very, uh, you know, sensitive set of emails that has been uh, proven to be highly embarrassing for the Democrats. Uh, but ultimately, what I wanted to get to is, is how, how much this is a small group of, you know, very talented uh, sort of digital knowledge workers who are, who are able to, you know, create this level of, of chaos and, you know, we talk about the creative class of which, you know, I, I consider us a part because we use digital tools to, you know, create things like software. There's, there's the flip side to that, which is, you know, it, it's another kind of creativity, but you could even uh, label it sort of the destructive class, right? Those who take these same digital tools, right, code uh, in this case, um, or, you know, whatever the uh, elements were that, that created this hack uh, and revealed all this information. And they, and they use it for things that are uh, essentially weaponized information, right? Uh, WikiLeaks has proven to be a very 
uh, useful uh, tool for for this kind of information. And ultimately, it's uh, and the digital life has enabled small groups of people uh, acting independently uh, to have large amounts of power and to disrupt uh, those people in power. Um, I know I touched on probably about five or six different things. Dirk, what's uh, uh, your your first blush of this? Yeah, I mean, welcome to the world of digital information where nothing is is private or secret anymore. Um, look, you know, we should assume that everything we do online, that everything we do in a digital capacity is going to get out there. Um, we should just act as though that were the case first and foremost um, because at some point, sooner or later, it probably will um, one way or the other. You know, the, for me, I don't know, John, the, this whole story for me is a shrug. And I say that from the perspective that I take for granted the DNC is stacking the deck for Clinton over Sanders. I take for granted that the Russian government is interested in steering our election in a way that is uh, better for them. I take for granted that the Russian government and or hackers funded by or related to the Russian government are able to penetrate what are probably paltry defenses of the DNC. Um, so there's no aspect of this story that surprises me. The only thing that's interesting about it is now everyone knows and other people are shocked. What are you shocked about? Stop being shocked. These things are, are things we should take for granted. Uh, go over the history of politics and the history of power changing hands at scale. It's all corrupt. Uh, you know, the people who are involved, they have people they want to win, they have people they want to lose, and they impact it in ways small or large. The fact that this is happening within the Democratic National Committee, an organization that Hillary Clinton has been you know, intimately uh, associated with in, in ways, uh, you know, largely very close for over 24 freaking years, yeah, big surprise that they're stacking the deck for their insider over, you know, the the career political outsider Bernie Sanders. Really? You're shocked? Really? You're outraged? The most outrageous thing for me about the whole story is that Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who's the, the head of the DNC, she uh, announces that she's going to resign after the, the, the convention, which is, is coming up this week. It'll be happening when the show drops. And within a day of that announcement, Hillary Clinton hires her to, to, to oversee some, some major part of the campaign strategy. Out of everything that's happened here, that's the only thing that's outraged me. I'm like, are you kidding? Wait three weeks. You're going to turn right around and in the same day hire this woman who's seen as the figurehead for all of the corruption in the process of putting you over Bernie Sanders in a moment literally a day before you need all of those Bernie Sanders backers to come under the tent? Are you kidding me? Are you that freaking stupid? I, I, I'm just aghast. So that's what surprises me, is that her, her level, um, her, her level of, of just, and, and her, right? I mean, at this point, Hillary Clinton is the figurehead of something much bigger. So, uh, you know, that being that this one woman, this one individual is the person responsible for it is not what I intend when I'm, I'm saying you, but she's, she, you know, at the end of the day, she's the head of it. She's responsible. So I'm, I'm going to use you, but, but making it clear it's in this slightly broader way. I mean, you know, you have such hubris. You have such arrogance that you go and hire this woman immediately after she resigns in disgrace because this scandal 
uh, becomes public. I, I just, I can't, I can't believe it. So, you know, I, I, we've, we've gotten into the politics realm a little bit recently, you know, and it's definitely not the, the purpose of the show. And so I don't want to go too much into the politics of, of the 2016 campaign. But the, my big takeaways are nothing about this story shocked me until Hillary Clinton hired uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, which totally blew my mind because it's just one of the stupidest political moves that I, I can even even fathom. Um, but yeah, we shouldn't be surprised. You know, Russians have hacked us. Um, Russians are trickling out information to try and steer the election in a way that they think is better for their national interests. The Democratic Party, this big organization. How long has the Democratic Party been around? Uh, 150, 200 years? Something like that. I mean, you know, this organization has deep-seated um, biases and preferences and is working in in ways that in some pure idealistic perspective would, would be seen as um, corrupt. <laughs> of course they are. That's the nature of, of power transfer, of keeping power, of acquiring power. I mean, come on, people, wake up. Yeah, I think... So, so point taken on the on the uh, uh, sort of the underlying um, pillars of uh, uh, of this story. But what this hack does does provide is is validation in some way or another. So, so you can say, yeah, of course, um, you know, Clinton is is entrenched within the DNC, and of course, the DNC. Um, would favor her, but what the emails do is is really validates that statement in a way that's undeniable, right? So, um, whether you know you're a political cynic like yourself or a political idealist, Am I a political cynic, really? Um, you're a skeptic. You're, you're you're a skeptic. Maybe maybe a cynic is is, is the. Uh, um, you know, farther down that uh, okay. down that path, okay. but you 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 tend to be skeptical of a lot of things in politics. Just uh, is 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 what we're discussing right now in politics and and the digital realm. I'm I'm less skeptical and and less cynical, which is why we can have an interesting uh, conversation about this. But I I do find that the validation part, right? So same thing in design, right? So you have an idea of something that's going to work. And if you've done a lot of design, then uh, you, you probably have a pretty good idea. But ultimately, it has to be validated in, in some way or another with the users. What this email provides is that backing, right? Which, from a public perspective, makes it that much worse. And, 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 and what, what, what's interesting to me is that we have these um, these hacks, these uh, um, theatrical reveals of sensitive information uh, more and more, and they're being used o- almost as uh, uh, as like a cudgel or, or a bat to like, um, you, you know, back in, in the days of a more physical uh, uh, political persuasion when people would show up with, uh, with bats and, 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 and there would be fights breaking out. Uh, uh, in in various political arenas now now the bat is is digital right and it's not it's probably swung by you know five or six very talented individuals but the impact is much greater uh, than the physical bat was and that is just you know in in our in today's story which of course is uh, the political one but we can see the 
the skin come off a little bit about how information can be used uh, in ways that that frankly up on, up until now I've always uh, left for the realm of of fantasy and science fiction, right? Because as much as propaganda is um, you know something notable that came out of twentieth uh, century uh, information usage, I never thought that. I would be susceptible to propaganda, right? It's it's the the uh, when you say you never, what time frame are we talking about? How recently did you think you could never be susceptible? So so as 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 a person who does lots of reading, tries to understand you know all the different facets of 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 a news story. You know, I I like to think that that I understand you know a few different pieces and that and that I would have a well considered opinion, right? Um, so to think that we are not being swayed in one way or another by the information that's thrown at us daily, I, I think is, is naive. I mean, my, myself included, and that we're not being sort of pushed in one direction or another. So, so as I look at the information I consume, I'm ever more sensitive to, you know, who is delivering it to me and what their purpose is. Um, and, and so that's something that in, in a digital age where people can cherry pick their information, uh, sometimes it makes you feel like you're in control of it. Uh, and you know, the truth is that even though you're choosing what's in your Facebook feed to some, to some respect, uh, you're still being, uh, uh, evangelized to propagandized, whatever the right word is for it. We're still being convinced uh, we're just having maybe a little bit more active hand in the uh, in the convincing now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, this stuff's been happening since the beginning of time, right? I mean, it, the rise of the Roman Empire was was on the back of propaganda innovation to some degree, right? So uh, there's really nothing new in it. I mean, it's but we, I, I don't know, John. With all of this stuff, there's this. Hmm. What's the right way to put it? There's um, there's this myth. There's this this disparity between reality and how we expect reality to be. You know, I mean, to take another to bring it into the context we're talking about, like the, going back to the Ashley Madison leak, for example, when that hacking led to information, um, uh, you, you know, revealed that that uh, right that showed that a lot of people were were acting outside the bounds of their marriages. I mean, look, I mean. Humans aren't wired for monogamy. Humans aren't wired for the constraints that are that are put on them by a marriage. Some people are able to go through their life and follow those rules and make it through. Most people aren't. It's just it's not how the human animal is wired. Yet um, there's so much shock and disbelief when when that happened to the point where there were people committing suicide. You know, there was um, I, I can remember with some specificity one pastor. Um, who who killed himself when he was revealed as um, one of the the cheaters in the Ashley Madison leak, and he wasn't the only one. Um, so that, along with all of the outrage and stuff around the DNC, it's it, it's these gaps in unrealistic expectations that we have as humans on the world that we think, oh, everyone should you know everyone should be quite happy for sixty years only being intimate with one person. That just makes sense. Oh, we should expect that the political organizations are run by really 
really moral, righteous people, and they're following all the rules, and there's no dirty pool. That's all crazy crap. And this, what these information reveals are doing is basically taking advantage of that arbitrage, you know, the, the, the space between these silly, unrealistic expectations we have of the world based in mythology and ignorance and, and thousands of years old in some cases with the frickin' realities of how does the human animal function, with the realities of how is power at scale contested and how do humans behave when at the center of deciding how that power should be contested. I mean, among, among many others, we, we, we see it in, in horribly unrealistic and incorrect terms and that's what these these information reveals are taking advantage of is the the the, the systemic ignorance um, from the standpoint of expectations that we have compared to the freaking reality of how the world works. Yeah, I, so I think it's the specific validation that that gets you right. So with the Ashley Madison hack, for instance, there's uh, the pastor, the poor soul who uh, was was revealed to be a, a cheater. Um, uh, on the site. And then, of course, there's the whole world of, of pastors, right? Some of which, you know, are bound to be, um, you know, not cheaters and some who are bound to be cheaters. But it's the specific um, and personal uh, information that's revealed that, that, that makes that information so um, damning, right? So you know that, okay, some people will do this and some people won't. But when it's um, at odds, I guess, with the uh, veneer that, you know, that pastor had, uh, then then you're going to run into trouble. So so with the DNC, I wouldn't say that the veneer is quite as, you know, polished or, um, um, you know, upstanding or however you, else you want to describe it. But there is still a. Uh, a veneer of of fairness that it wanted to to project. So uh, when it comes down to it, it, it may not have been true, but they still wanted some of Sanders supporters to at least think that, oh, he got a kind of a fair shake. And, and now we know he didn't get a fair shake at all. Did he or didn't he, right? I mean, to use your exact language, he probably got kind of a fair shake, right? right? It's not like they completely bombed his campaign out. He got kind of a fair he shake. He did. He, it he just got, wasn't really fair. It wasn't really. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't as fair as it could be, right? And, 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 and here's where. where in our, utopia, though. It, it might have been as fair as it could be in, in the context and constraints of reality. Mm -hmm. In the wealthiest nation in the world that has hundreds of millions of citizens, that has two political parties at the end of the day that are contesting this thing, and has two candidates within one of the two political parties who are fighting for it. Maybe that is as fair as it can possibly be, given all of the context of the moment. Right. And, and, and you and I had a conversation earlier that, that our language needs... Uh, nuance, right? It, like around this word uh, of fairness, right? So, so we need a new word for as fair as it possibly could be, given like just the sheer uh, uh, corruption of politics and power in general, right? So we need a word for that. We need we need words for degrees of corruption, because frankly, we talk about different degrees of it all the time. But I, I like that as as fair as it could possibly be, right? Given the constraints of reality. I, you know, I've really liked the ish trend. I use ish a lot these days. Fair Fairish seems to work pretty well, right? So, so, so they got hacked, and and uh, it revealed the fairish and and non-fairish treatment 
of Bernie Sanders yeah. uh, and donors uh, and and all of the other dirty laundry of the DNC. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at goinvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 166 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.